a Black Executive Perspective. Whether you're aware of it or not, it's a topic that is often avoided. We'll discuss race and how it plays a factor and how we didn't even talk about this topic because we were afraid. A Black Executive Perspective. Definitely say it didn't make me feel like I belonged because growing up, the elementary schools I went to, the people I was around, they were all only one racial identity. And so it felt very much like I just wasn't enough of my black side or I was too much of my white side. So it was always like I felt like I belonged, but not completely. Welcome to a Black Executive Perspective podcast, a safe space where we discuss all matters related to race, especially race in corporate America. I'm your host, Tony Tidbit. So in June of 2007, me and my wife were blessed to have our first girl. And like most parents, we were excited. We had her room all set up. We had little clothes for her. We had visions of grandeur in terms of, you know, how we're going to set up things for her so she could be anything that she wanted to be. Now, some of you may know and some of you may not know, my wife is white. So did we really understand what our daughter or daughters would go through since they were going to be biracial kids? Listen, I know when I grew up, I went through a lot just being, you know, black, right? But now my daughter was going to be mixed. She's going to be part black and part white. Did we understand the implications of how she would see the world, how the world would see her and the things that she would have to deal with? Well, today we have four brave teenagers who's going to come on a black executive perspective to tell their stories about what they go through, how they see the world and more importantly, how the world sees them. So. Let's meet these teenagers. Can do me a favor, each one of you guys, and we'll start with you, Marcus. Tell me your first name, how old you are, and your racial makeup of your mother and your father. So my name is Marcus. I'm 15 years old. My mom is white, and my dad is black. Great. Uh, my name is Cameron. I'm 16 years old. My mom is also white, and my dad is also black. Hi, I'm Maya. I'm 16. My mother is black, and my father's white. Hi, I'm Michaela. I'm 16, and my father is black and my mother is white. Well, Marcus, Cameron, Maya, Michaela, thank you for coming on the Black Executive Perspective to talk about this topic. Obviously, you know, we, we're excited to hear your stories. Awesome. So why don't we start like this, right? You know, Maya, your father is white, your mother is black. Cameron, your fa- your mother is white, your father is black, right? Same thing for you, Marcus, right? And then Michaela, your father is black and your mother is white. So, and any one of you guys can start off with this. So tell, tell us a little bit, how does it feel to be a biracial kid? So growing up, I wasn't really comfortable in being biracial. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my like earliest feelings when I was like three or four is I was watching a Disney Channel show and I just really didn't like the way I looked comparatively. I wanted to look like my father growing up. Mm -hmm. He is the epitome of white. He is blonde with blue eyes, very pale skin. And when you're growing up biracial, that's what's presented to you. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really see myself as pretty when I was younger. And I recently learned how to grow into that and be more comfortable with my skin. But most of my life, I did not like how I looked or anything about myself racially. 
And so when you were saying, number one, thank you for sharing that, right? So when you said, you know, when you were three or younger, you really didn't like the way you look. And and what was the part that you didn't like about? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't like that I didn't look like anyone else in my family mm-hmm. or anyone else around me, really. Like even my sister, I don't look exactly like her. We have been a, like similar facial structures, but our curl patterns are different. Our skin tones are slightly different. So I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I wanted to look like my dad. He was, I thought he was very handsome when I was little. I was like, he looks really good. I don't look anything like that in my opinion. And I think the thing that made me the most insecure when I was younger were my eyes. I didn't like how dark they were. I didn't like that. They didn't really have a color. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for sharing. Anybody else? I can build off of what Maya said, like growing up biracial when you're little there wasn't a lot of representation for mixed kids. Like I remember we used to get American girl dolls every year. And when we go to New York and get the American girl dolls, there wasn't one biracial American girl doll. There are tons of white American girl dolls, one or two like dark skin, black American girl dolls, but there wasn't one that looked like us. And I feel like for a while when I was really little, I didn't realize I was black because going to a white school, being one of like five black kids in the whole elementary school, being around that community, I don't think like it settled into me. But then there was one day where I was looking through like the American Girl Doll magazine because that was my thing when I was little. And I saw all of these white girls in there and I didn't see myself. And I think that's when it clicked when I realized, oh, I am different than the majority. And there wasn't really anyone for me to like look up to or base myself off of. And even still now, there's not very there's not very many mixed people in the media. You know, you have Zendaya. Who else? Right. Like she's like a mainstream one that a lot of girls can look up to. But people have talked about this. Rihanna's and Dea saying that like there needs to be more representation of biracial kids in the media. So like when we're little, we can see ourselves um, as real people in the world instead of looking to a different race or a different demographic. Mm-hmm. And so even though let me just uh, I want to back up because because I want to because you guys both said something. and I just want to back up a little bit. So you said. Michaela, you said, hey, you thought you were white, right, when you were younger and until you got the American Girl doll. And and then you found that you were like, hey, there's nobody that looks like me. And then Maya, you said, hey, you know, I wanted to look like my father. You know, he's handsome and, you know, I don't like my eyes because they're dark and stuff to that nature. So let me ask you guys this question. Your fa- Your mother is black and your father is black. So I'll start with you, Michaela. So when you thought you were white when you're young, but you had a a black father that was there all the time, did that ever resonate at all? Did that, was that a negativity? Tell me a little bit about that. I don't think it was a negativity. I just don't think like I connected the dots. Mm -hmm. I don't know why or how. Maybe it was because of the school I went to, like Mm -hmm. not seeing many, many other black kids or biracial kids. Mm -hmm. I was always with like the white crowd and like, um, you used to work in the city a lot. So we would be with mom like during the day going to school. So when our mom's bringing us everywhere, people see her as white. Mm-hmm. And so it like kind of reflects on the kids, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. By anything you want to add to that? Um, I think when I was younger, I loved the way my mother looks. I still do. I think she's one of the prettiest people I know. But I saw my dad's look as more achievable because we are closer in skin tone. Mm-hmm. So why I thought my mother was beautiful, I just thought I would never be that pretty. So I was always like, I just need to find a moderate where I can like be okay with how I look, but still I wouldn't feel exactly comfortable. Got it. Got it. Guys, jump in here. What do you guys think? Cameron, what's your thoughts? I feel like I had like a little bit of a different perspective on that because mm-hmm. like well, growing up, I lived in Bridgeport. Like I hang out with my black cousins and like also my white cousin was really close to me, but like 
I know it was different from both of them, but I didn't feel like because I was different, like it was like negativity, like negatively affected me. Then like positively benefit me, but like I just didn't feel like a negative feeling about it. And I felt like being different, like wasn't like the name, the main issue for me. And like one thing I liked is I have like color eyes and like every time I go out, like people like, like they'll like compliment that. And mm-hmm. I like, I like boost my comments, but it just makes me like feel like nice to have like someone say something like that. Just like it makes me feel better about myself. Got it. So it's just hearing somebody give you affirmations in terms of how you look is was key for you, right? Um, growing up, because typically you didn't look like 100% your mother and 100% your father. Is that correct? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Marcus, what's your thoughts? So for me, I'm sort of more like Cameron. I've never had really any problems or negativity about my skin color. Um, I think it helps that I have a younger sister who looks somewhat like me and she's like two years younger than me. So I've been around with her all my life. And I've also being an athlete, there's a lot of people who may not exactly be biracial, but there'll be a lighter tone. And so I can have connections to them and feel similar to them. So, um, you grew up Marcus, what was the, in terms of the family dynamics, uh, in the neighborhood you lived in was, did you live in a neighborhood that was predominantly white for the most part? Was it predominantly black? Did you, was it a mixture? Um, same because Cameron, you just said, Hey, you grew up in, in Bridgeport, right? Where there's probably a there's for our audience who may not know Bridgeport, Connecticut has a lot of diversity, has a big black, not a big, a, a nice, uh, black, uh, uh, population, right? So you'll see more diversity. Um, and then Maya, you grew up in, Westville, right? So was it was it diverse? Was it So my neighborhood is predominantly black. Okay. And the family I interacted with growing up is my black side of my family. Got it. Got it. Got it. What about you, Michaela? Um, the neighborhood that like we live in that I grew up in is predominantly white and we went to like predominantly white schools until I was in middle school. So that's when like my community changed and where in middle school I was able to see a lot more diversity, which I still see now. Got it. Did that affect so did that have any effect? In terms of where you grew up, in terms of people you saw, people that you went to school, did that have any effect in terms of how you felt about yourself? Growing up, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood, mm-hmm. but what my family did is they made sure that I'd always be around my black side of my family as well. And so they live about 40 minutes away, but we'd always be making trips there. Even later this week for Thanksgiving, we're going, we always go there for Thanksgiving. So being incorporated with both sides really helped and made me feel way better about it. Okay, cool. Cam? Uh, growing up, in like, uh, for like, I moved to Milford in fifth grade, but like before that, I lived in Bridgeport, which is, it was diverse. My neighborhood is diverse. And I went to a magnet school, which is also diverse. And like playing sports, I like played sports with like more black people. And not, I've also played white people. Like when I played like in Bridgeport, like most of the people I was playing with are blacks. So like that would make me like connections there. And then when I moved to Milford, it was different because I was in a predominantly white neighborhood, went to a school that was predominantly white, and I was, like, different for me. But I still, like, knew. It made good connections with both. Made a connection with people that were, like, minorities and stuff like that. And I had a lot of white friends. And going to, like, high school, most of my friends are white now, which is, like, different. But I can make connections with both. I feel like it's a little bit different, but I just know I can make connections with both type of people. Got it. 
Go ahead, Maya. Um, I think while growing up surrounded by almost completely people of color, it was definitely an experience. I think I learned a lot more than I would have if my um, community was more diverse about what it's like to be a person of color. But I would definitely say it didn't make me feel like I belonged because growing up, the elementary schools I went to, the people I was around, they were all only one racial identity. And so it felt very much like I just wasn't enough of my black side or I was too much of my white side. So it was always like I felt like I belonged, but not completely. And that was kind of how it was like with friends, too, because when you're a kid or a teenager, people make comments and sometimes they're not meant to be offensive but they are and you don't really know how to deal with that as a kid so it was a lot of just like I knew who I was and I was comfortable in who I was but then there'd be small things people said to me or small things that occurred that just made me feel insecure got it and let's 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 build on that for a little bit you know I think before we started recording I told you guys that when I was a kid I was called all different type of names right and I was called these names I was called Blackula, Tar Baby I mean really disgusting stuff at eight, nine years old. Right. But these wasn't white kids that called me these names. These were black kids. Okay. And the reason they called me that name, because I was dark skinned. Okay. And at that, you know, and unfortunately in our history, being darker has always been a negative, um, in terms of black people. Right. And, you know, if you're lighter, you're better, you get more opportunities. You're, you're, you're handsome. If you're dark skinned, um, you know, you're the bottom of the bottom. Okay, so picking up on what you just got finished saying, Maya, in terms of the things that people would say, and I'm throwing this out for all you guys and you guys can jump in and talk about have. And you said you have. Tell us about any type of racial discrimination or stuff that you dealt with or slights or things that people said to you. And and then more importantly, how did that make you feel? Go ahead, Michaela. Um, So building off of what Maya said, like when. Maya first came to Eastham's. Um, when Maya first came to Eastham's, which is the school we go to, um, we became friends really fast. And we were friends before then because of Zoom and like online school. And every single person who saw us together would ask if we were cousins. Like just assuming that, oh, since we're both mixed, we're auto- automatically related. So we both thought that was weird because we don't look anything alike just because we're mixed. It does, it like, it's like looping in racial demographics together, saying like all black people look the same, or all white people look the same, or all mixed people look the same, which isn't the truth. Right. Okay. Thanks. Cam, uh, go I ahead. I had a similar experience to that because, like, when I when I first moved to Milford, like, my friend Michael, we we're, we're both mixed and we're, like, we're best friends. We always hang out together and we're, like, in public and people always say, like, are you guys brothers or stuff like that, cousins, all that stuff. And it's, like, we don't look alike at all. Like, everybody that we know says that we don't really look alike, but it's always around public or we see new people. They're always saying stuff like that, like, are you guys cousins? Are you brothers? We just don't feel like we look alike. It's just, like, there's, like, putting us together. Just because you're mixed, they immediately assume that you guys are related because they don't see a lot of other mixed kids, correct? Exactly. Anything for you, Marcus, at all, buddy? I mean, even like a couple weeks ago, I had a teacher ask if Cam was my brother. And so I didn't think that that was even like a close comparison, but it happened. So how does that make you guys feel when somebody assumes, like Michaela, and you guys all said you had the same experience? How does that make you feel? Like, originally, like, I'll just, like, laugh it off and be like, no, we're not, like, whatever. And then we just, like, joke about it later. But, like, you think about it, it's just, like, it's kind of, like, annoying eventually. Like, the first time, it's, like, whatever. A couple times, it's just, like, all right. But, like, it's, like, annoying. People keep saying that. And we just know it's not true. And I feel like there's, like, saying that. But, like, they don't, like, really mean that. I don't know like, how to explain it. But, like, they might, like, they not see them. But, like, look like brothers. Just, like, assuming it together. Just, like, putting it together. Yeah, yeah, like, there was one time where me and Maya went to her mom's job, like, at the courthouse. 
And this woman who her mom has worked with forever and has met Maya and her sister, Sophia, um, and has seen them multiple times. When me and Maya went in to talk to her, she just assumed I was Sophia and thought I was Sophia the whole time, thinking that me and Maya were siblings. Even though she's met Sophia before, she's seen Sophia before, she saw two mixed girls and was like, oh, that's Maya's sister, which was kind of weird. The other thing that really annoyed me about that particular situation is that my sister looks nothing like Michaela. My sister's tall and she has coils. And this woman had met my sister multiple times. I think she even came to like one of my sister's like grad parties. I don't remember if she came, but she had met my sister multiple times, had met my family multiple times and just it felt ignorant. It was like, you know, you know, my sister and you don't care enough to recognize her face. You're just assuming because we look remotely similar. Mm. Let me, you know, one of the things is and obviously that could make you feel like you're just putting me in a box. Right. You're not really you don't have no connection to me. You just see somebody that from a facial standpoint, looks similar because they look mixed too. And so I can see how that can be very annoying. Has anybody ever said anything that was, you know, just outside of assuming that your cousins or brothers, has anybody any said anything like very derogatory or stuff to that nature? Um, I've definitely experienced things where it just, I, one of the, moments I realized um, I experienced racism for the first time was when I was nine years old and I went to this um, 4-H camp up in Hartford. Mm -hmm. And the people that go to that camp are predominantly white and they live in white communities. They don't see people of color. So I was nine years old. This is the first time I ever left my house for a long period of time. I was gone for a week. And at that camp, we had like a camp store where you could stand in line and get snacks. This is the first time I ever got my hair cornrowed. I all of a sudden felt someone run their finger down my cornrows. And first of all, why are you touching me? And so I turned around expecting it to be my sister because she was going to that camp with me. I thought she was just messing with me. I turned around. It is a 16-year-old white girl. And I look at her and she goes, you're so exotic. And that was the first time I was like, oh, this is racist. What did you say, if anything? I didn't know what to say because mm -hmm. the people there, they weren't trying to be racist they were just unaware right so she meant it as a compliment to me because she'd never seen me before i was exotic to her so i said thank you and i turned around and i remember the first thing i did when i went to my cabin was cry because i did not know how to take that mm. i'm sorry i'm sorry about that any anybody else i don't think i've ever like i don't know if any experience like someone say like something like blatantly like racist towards me but like sometimes like people will say like like somebody else will say like the N word or something like that. And will be like, I'm like, am I going to do something about that? Like, you know, like, and then I feel like, well, like, why am I going to do something about that? Like, so say that again. So when you say somebody says like, the N -word. so like in school, like, you know, like people like some, I'll say like somebody will say it and then somebody will come to me and be like, someone said that. And then they're like, am I going to do something about that? Like that might be like offensive to me, but like, that's not like my thing to do and something about that. You know, like I'm not going to go like, so they came to you. Up. Yeah. They, so somebody said the N word and then somebody white came to you and said, are you going to do something about yeah, it? Are you going like, to let them get away with that? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, that's obviously like offensive. They shouldn't be doing that. But I feel like it's not like, I'm just not going to go like beat somebody up. Cause they're like saying that. Right. 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 Anything, Marcus, any, have you dealt so, with anything like that? Yeah. From time to time, people will say like, you're not even black. And like, that's just weird to me because like I am black and I am white. And so just because I'm not fully black doesn't mean I'm not black. Like I am black. And sometimes I just don't know like how to respond to that because it's just like, 
Why? So if somebody asks you what your racial makeup is, what would you say? I would just say I'm mixed. Michaela says she was. Which one would you say? I would say mixed or black. It depends on the situation. Okay. Because like. I feel if we can't really say we're white, like because of our skin color, like no matter what, even if people perceive you as not being fully black, we're never going to be white, if that makes sense. No, oh, that makes sense. Maya, how do you identify? Um, I definitely agree with that. So whenever someone asks me, I normally say I'm mixed, but when I have to fill out forms and you can only check one box, I mostly say black. And it's also because I say I'm black more than I say I'm white because people do not look at me and see a white girl. They see someone of color. They may not know who I am, but they see someone of color. So within the world we live in, it's not, I have to address the fact I am black mm. because that's what I'm seen as. Marcus, what about you, buddy? So I agree. I would say, first thing I'd say is just like, I'm mixed. But if I had to pick one, I would say I'm black because I'm like, if you were to draw a scale, I mean, I'm in the middle but I feel like I'm closer connected to black than I am to white. And why is that? Because just because my skin color is not white. And I feel like once you get past white, it's just kind of like, you're just not white anymore. Like people wouldn't see me as white. So I just don't really would, wouldn't really say that I am white. Cam. I agree. But I usually just say like, if someone asked me, I'll say like I'm mixed. And then like, even like the other day, somebody said like I wasn't black and I was like, but I am, you know, like, and I'll be like, and if they ask, like, I am, but yes, I'm black. I'm also white. You know, like, I'm not like not white. I'm not not black. I'm both. Mm. So picking up on that though, right? Because at the end of the day, you guys are both, right? You, you know, you, you, you have a white side to you. And I hate to say it, at the end of the day, your parents, one of your parents is white. One of the other parents is black, right? So at the end of the day, there is that part of you. Right. But you identify with one side or you identify in terms of saying I'm mixed. Correct. In terms of spending time with your. So, Marcus, you were saying, you know, your family makes sure that you spend time with your black relatives. Right. Do you spend time with your white relatives? And when you do, is there any, you know, does does is it do do you hear any pushback or do they, you know, you know, call your names or say some things or stuff to that nature. So my white family lives in Milford. So mm -hmm. I see them all the time. And so they're great. I mean, they don't, they're never like saying anything bad or anything like that. They're very accepting. They're very loving. And so my black family lives further away and they're more spread out. Some of them live in Virginia, North Carolina. And so it's harder to see them because they're not, down the street or just five minutes away. And so when we make sure that we go to see our black family, we make sure that we're really there. We're in the moment and we're just taking in everything that we can. Okay. Michaela. Um, I feel like it's the same situation as Marcus. Like my white family has always lived closer to us since we were little. We never really saw like our black family a lot. And it wasn't that there was like ill intent or malice coming from our white family. They're very accepting. But it's just like some situations, like if we'll go somewhere and me and my sister would be the only black people like in that area. And so like we notice it, but they don't. It's like, oh, it's fine. We're just at a store or at a restaurant. But you don't see anyone who looks like you around you. So it can make you feel like uncomfortable or mm -hmm. unwanted mm -hmm. or like walking around like with my aunt who's white when I was little going around her town, which is predominantly white, seeing people like the looks they would give like, oh, like is she adopted or like when my, and my aunt would explain she's my niece and like okay like they don't understand 
the connection of like mixed families. Mm-hmm. So like being in public with your white family versus your black family, it's a whole different dynamic. Right. And and then piggybacking on that. So when you were with your aunt Simone or you're around your black family, how did you feel? We weren't like we didn't have to spend as much time with our black but when family you did. as our white family. I felt like more included. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It was they were more I wouldn't say more accepting, but like I felt like I was finally like embracing the black side of myself that I wasn't able to in my town, in my school or with my other family. Mm -hmm. And like I still always ask to see them and do stuff with them because it's like a different culture that I didn't really grow up in. But one that like I want to be more in now. Got it. Maya. Um, So I personally my father does not talk to his side of the family. Mm -hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, he told me this is because the first time he brought my mother to meet them, they were incredibly racist. But even just going out with one parent versus another, I experienced different things just around people. Mm. Like I remember this is a story my mother told me. She told me when I was born, she was holding me in the hospital and I have an aunt who aunt who's um, white. She's my mother's friend since like law school. And she had been holding me and my mom came back. She gave me to my mom and this older white woman came up to her and she was like, do you know this baby's name? Mm. As if I was not my mother's child. And even now, if I go out with my mom or when I was little, when I would go out with my mom, I'd get looks from people because they knew I was someone of color, Mm -hmm. but they did not think I was my mother's child. And when I would go out with my dad, I would get less looks. But I, I think I remember when I was like five, I was in a store with my dad and he was walking a little bit ahead of me. And I was with like looking at the toys or whatever. And this lady tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and she's like, do you know this man? I went, that's my dad. And she just walked away from me like nothing happened. And when I was little, it didn't like click to me that this was a weird situation because I thought she just asked me if I knew that guy because he was walking away from me. But she genuinely thought I was being kidnapped by my own father. Right. Like it just did not click in her brain that I could be a white man's daughter. So let me ask you guys this. You're 15, 16 years old. You're still trying to figure out what you want to do the rest of your lives. I know Maya and Michaela, you guys, you know, have, you know, some more, more concrete ideas. You guys, you know, Cam, uh, 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 Marcus, you guys play sports. You're on a high school team. Um, You should just be just having fun and dealing with the everyday life. So how does it, you know, how does it feel to have to deal with race being at your age when there's a million other things that you should be trying to navigate just the world in terms of how just to be 15, 16? How does it feel? You know, it does it feel like a burden. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I personally feel dealing with race at this age is exhausting. Um, So before I came to Eastham's, I was at a middle school that was entirely black. I was the only person who wasn't like completely one race. So we had this girl who's South African, but they accepted her because she was South African. So although she was paler than me, it was okay because she was completely one thing. So at that age, I would constantly be asked by my peers, oh, why don't you say the N-word? Are you going to say the N-word? They would call me half-breed. They would call me halfie. They would meet my mother and then ask me after meeting my mother if I was Puerto Rican and things like that. They just completely separated me from my race. And it felt strange at that time because I knew I was black, but I wasn't treated as if I was. Mm. And so I remember one of like my most distinctive memories from that time was that there was this guy and he was asking me out. And the first thing he said before asking me out was that I had put my hair up on that day. He's like, you didn't do your edges. You didn't feel like being black today. Mm. 
And it was always, I felt less than them. Mm. They didn't treat me equally. They didn't like me because of that fact. They would call me white girl occasionally. It was just very much, I was different from them and they wanted me to know I was different from them. And even now with friends, it sometimes gets like they don't get it. And it's, of course, it's hard to understand something you're not a part of. But like even last year, I had a friend who would call me half breed as a joke. And I didn't know how to tell him it wasn't funny. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, number one. Thanks for sharing. Um, and, and, and nobody should have to deal with that. Nobody. Right. So when you go through that, do you guys talk to your parents about race at all? I talk to my mom about it like a lot. So I, I live with my mom. I live with my dad. But, mm -hmm. like, we talk about it. And sometimes she'll ask me like, if I like different friends, you know, she'll ask me like, do you feel like more white or more black? Like, or, like, why is that? And I feel like I'm like, it depends on like home with kind of like the group that I'm surrounded with. Like I'm around like a bunch of predominantly white people. I feel like I might act like a little bit different than when I'm like around like a bunch of black people. It's just like the way like it is. It's like a different like culture, different environment. So like, I'm acting a little bit different both times, you know. She do, you, do you feel conflicted? Do you feel pressure at all, Cameron? Not not that much. Not really. Mm -hmm. I don't think I feel that way, but not really that much. Okay. You, Marcus? So I mainly, like, when I talk about race, I talk with my dad. Mm -hmm. So my dad, like we said, is black. And so he just always will remind me when I'm going out, like, if you're in a crowd of people, and something goes wrong, they'll look for you for like they'll look and they'll find you first. Because mm -hmm. if there's a bunch of people running away from something that happened, and they can only pick a few out, I would be one of the people that they pick out just because people can like more see black people as like trouble and seeing as like they did something wrong. Like just no matter what, that's just the first thing that they'll think subconsciously. How does that so? How does that make you feel, though, when your father tells you stuff like that? So I just, like, make sure that I'm truly listening to him and understanding what he's saying because it is true in this world that that would be what would happen. Mm -hmm. So he always tells me that, like, if something's going down and you don't feel comfortable to be around it, just leave just in case. Just make sure nothing's going to happen and their punishment is going to come for you first. Mm. Thanks for sharing, buddy. My um, I definitely agree with that. So my family is very open about talking with, about race because we're a biracial family. Mm -hmm. And I definitely don't tell my parents everything I experience as a biracial person mm -hmm. because my dad is protective. But I remember some of the first things my mother told me when I was little was that I would be watched. Um, when I was little, I was not told to go up to a police officer if something was wrong. I was told to go up to a mother with a child. Um, I was told that I'd be following stores. It's just my parents have always been very open about the fact I would be discriminated against. And it's been helpful because it makes me understand the world more. But it's definitely tiring to know that you are always going to be viewed as the problem. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for sharing, guys. I mean, that's a lot. It's a, it's a heavy burden. huh? And in dealing with the things in terms of just being a, a boy and a girl, just regular. And then you got to add the component of race on it. So if you could change stuff, if you had an opportunity right now to, to talk and tell the world um, about your experiences, but more importantly, what they should learn and how they can make corrections in terms of how they see you, 
how they should deal with people of color just in general and just overall overarching just race in general, where we all can basically, you know, drop this, you know, hopefully uh, eventually drop it where everyone could be just treated based on their character, their content versus what they look like. What would you want to tell everybody? Michaela? I feel like you have to start with education, like at a young age, because um, ignorance is really the biggest like fueler of racism because not everyone who's being racist intends to be racist. Mm -hmm. They just don't know if you grew up in a predominantly white community where you don't see diversity, where you're not being educated about diversity. How are you supposed to know like these things? And like when you say something, you might not mean it with malintent, but the way that someone perceives it and like receives that it can be hurtful and you just don't know. So I feel like when you educate people starting from when they're really young, like the importance of diversity and integrating people of color into communities and like educating them on um, the history of people of color as well. Because you see in like the education system, a lot of history textbooks, they cater to like the white side or like the, the white view of what happened. They don't shine light on black people or people of color in general. Only time you hear about black people is slavery, mm -hmm. civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about anything else. But if you start to educate people when they're young, they get rid of that ignorance and that inherent bias. And that way, when they're older, they'll be able to accept everyone as they are. Got it. So educating, putting it out there, history, sharing history, the full history yeah. of everybody's contributions, right? Not just a narrative yeah. of one group and start off when they're young. Okay, that's awesome. Maya, what do you think? Um, what do you want everybody to know? I feel like I agree with Michaela. Education is really important. I feel sharing stories is crucial to understanding people. And recently I felt that race should be viewed as something that we are, not something that divides us. We're all just people. Mm -hmm. And the problem is we don't provide people with information on what it's like from the other side. So sharing stories and learning the history of what it's like to be black is important because it's not done commonly. Like as Michaela says, most textbooks are written from the white point of view. Okay. Education. But I love what you said too, right? Sharing stories and experiences based on that. Do you talk to your white friends about race at all? Um, I do. Okay. So I remember one of the first times I ever brought race up to one of my right friends was this girl who I used to be very close friends with. And we were at a mall one day and I noticed I was being followed and I'm used to this. And I looked at her and I told her I want to leave. And she was like, why? I was like, I'm being followed. She's like, you're delusional. You're not being followed. I'm like, listen, you're not like me. I am being followed right now because I'm a 12 year old walking in the store alone without a parent. I'm being followed. You're not being followed. I'm being followed. And she's like, Maya, I don't want to leave. So I left and she came out of the store and she was pissed at me. And I was like, I don't feel like being followed right now. I don't have the energy to be watched right now. Like I'm a criminal. And we had this really long argument where she just couldn't understand why I was upset. And so I do try to educate people when they ask me questions like that about like why I'm acting this way or why I do something like that. But it definitely gets tiring trying to explain it to someone who's never experienced this kind of thing before. Right. Right. Well, at least you tried though. Right. Because to you guys, this point is about education. They're not aware. She wasn't aware because she, nobody was following her. She's nobody. Her parents probably didn't sit down and say, when you're 10, 11, people going to follow you, stuff to that nature. So it, it, it's important that you, at least you tried to try to explain the situation. Cam, tell, tell everybody what you want them. How like, are you going to change everything, buddy? Tell, tell I feel us. I like Buddhists don't have to like, they just don't, shouldn't assume like right away about anything. Like Even not about, just about being black, just like anybody about anything about the mission is assume 
that they're something or they're white or they're black or they're not black. You know, like when someone asks, like, if you're black and then you say that and they just assume, like, you're not. Or they assume like you're Puerto Rican or something like that. That's, like, the root of it. Like, if they just don't assume from the beginning, there won't be a problem. Mm. So, in other words, no assumptions. Just deal with the per Don't immediately assume that they're of any ethnicity or substance. Just deal with them on a one-to-one -one basis, right? So... Guys, you know, can't, I mean, Marcus, I definitely want to hear from you. What do you want to tell the world? Cameron had to leave. He had a, uh, give another appointment. So I'm really excited that he came and really happy that he came and shared his story. But we're going to finish up. So, Marcus, what do you want to tell the world when it comes to race? I mean, just like we're all just normal kids. We all wake up, go to school, do our after school activities. Like we're not any different from anyone else. We all live the same basic lifestyles and I just feel we should all be just treated the same we're all just growing up going through our own struggles through everything else that we have to do and so we shouldn't be having to worry about race on top of all of that so true my friend so true right that at the end of the day if everybody just treated everybody equally without race being a part of anything you know I just think to your point that as kids, you shouldn't have to deal with any of this, right? You should just be meeting people. You either like them or they don't like you. Or you don't like them just based on their personality, their character, not based on what they look like, right? And for you guys to come on and share these stories, this is not easy to talk about. I really appreciate it because you're educating a lot of people who are not aware of this. And then there's people who are dealing with the exact same thing that you guys are dealing with. So you're, even though they're not here to tell their stories there, I can definitely tell you that they can relate to what you're saying. You guys are our future leaders of this country, of this world. You guys have the opportunity to help change this world. And you started that not just here today in your, in your daily walk, but if we can get everyone to listen to you and really take to heart what you guys are going through, Right. You're 15, 16 years old. Right. Our audience, they have daughters and sons that are 15, 16, 14, 17. Would they want their kids to be ridiculed, followed, called names? Are you adopted? You must be cousins. Are you know, uh, are you a half breed? Are you this? Are you that? Who would want that for their kids? Every human being wants their kids to grow up and have an opportunity to be the best that they can be and, and thrive and grow and be successful in any endeavor that they want. So if you want that for your kids and you want your kids to build up their self-esteem, their confidence, and you want the world to treat them based on their character, their content, not based on their religion or their racial makeup or their ethnicity or their sexual sexuality, right? Just as a human being. So these, these teenagers today gave us all an opportunity to learn because these are our future leaders. And if anything that you got out of this podcast today is that, yes, there's a lot of ignorance. Michaela, Maya, Cameron and Marcus gave you guys not only the stories and stuff that they go through, but they gave you solutions in terms of how to make not just only your family a better place, but also anybody that you encounter that just looks different than you. 
right? And it's important to have these conversations. It's important to talk to people, your family. I didn't talk to my family when, about race when I was a kid. I just didn't, right? It's important to have those conversations. It's important when you felt that you didn't fit in to have that conversation with your parents, right? But more importantly, I love each and every one of you for coming on and joining a black executive perspective and sharing your stories. Final thoughts. I think like with what Cameron mentioned before about like ignorance and um, assuming things like um, on top of education, I remember there was one time that I was at my elementary school, which was predominantly white, and we were there for an assembly. And now my mom used to be at the school all the time. She ran the PTO. She would pick me and my sister up. She'd help out with things. People knew her at the school. And my mom was white. And there was this one time, there was a Veterans Day assembly, and my dad came in to speak. And so people only associated me with my white mom. So when they saw my dad walk in, the first thing someone said to me is, is your dad LeBron James? Like being like 100% serious. It's like, it didn't really resonate with me at that moment. I was like, no, he's my dad. But the ignorance, like them not knowing, they didn't mean to be rude, but that's probably one of the only black figures they saw they had seen in their life. So like, I feel like if you start education at that younger age, that wouldn't happen to future kids of any race. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think just be kind to people and don't assume. One of the most distinctive memories I have regarding race was when I was little, I was a Girl Scout. And we were standing outside this grocery store and I was told to go ask this woman who was coming out if she wanted to buy Girl Scout cookies. And so I walk over to her. She's on the phone. I wait till she gets off the phone. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And she calls me a racial slur that wasn't even for my own race. And she was black. So to me, that was confusing because one, you were supposed to understand this, in my opinion, like the race thing. What is this hatred that's coming towards me for no reason? Two, I'm a child. And three... That's not even my race. So the assumptions and just the unnecessary hate that people expel towards each other is unnecessary. And it's just overwhelming sometimes to think about the different aspects of what it is to be biracial. But just treat people with kindness. And, you know, just don't be scared to ask questions that aren't harmful Obviously, some people phrase questions in ways that they don't understand are harmful, but there are times where you can have genuine conversations with people about race in a beneficial way. Like I had one when I was little with this girl who asked me about my hair and she learned a lot about what it is to have black hair and how to take care of it. And she was very interested and she was respectful about it. So don't be scared to ask questions. It definitely can work out. Okay, awesome. Final thought, buddy. Um, so just the world is just filled with hatred and we just need to get to a point where everyone could just love each other for who they are and not what they are. And just thinking about like the person themselves instead of what they look like or what, like where they come from and all those things. And that is a final thought. And that is a good thought. So Marcus, Maya, Michaela, Cameron, who's not here. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it for your courage for your stories, and more importantly, your love of your fellow human being. So, as you can see, I hope you enjoyed this episode of a Black Executive's Perspective podcast. We had four brave teenagers that come on, came on and talked about their stories, talked about how it is to be a biracial kid, and they shared a lot of things, and, a lot, and to be fair, a lot of it was upsetting to me. 
Um, but we learned a lot as well, right? Is that even though they have mothers and fathers and they're different races, they identify on one side. More importantly, even though they have a lot of love, sometimes they don't feel that they belong because they don't be, they don't see where they fit in. And then the other multiple things of all the microaggressions and things that they've dealt with. So we need to do better. We have to do better as a society. This is there's no more excuses. There's no more. Oh, I can't. You know, I didn't know. You have to know this is affecting the future leaders of our country and of the world. We have to make sure that they are grown. They grow up in a very nurturing area in all aspects of their life. They should never feel a byproduct of anything. So it's time now for me to give Tony's tidbit. And Tony's tidbit is this. Every child is a masterpiece and interracial children are brushstrokes of love on the canvas of a diverse and inclusive world. Therefore, the truest color of love is found in the hearts of interracial children where acceptance, understanding, and unity thrive. And you got a lot of that today on this episode with our brave teenagers. So thank you for tuning in to a black executive perspective. Please follow us. Give us a rating. Let us know how you like this episode. Did you have additional questions? You know, subscribe to a black executive perspective podcast. If this is something that you want to continue to follow, you can follow a black executive perspective podcast on all the social channels, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Instagram, X, Facebook, at Tony Tidbit BEP. For my executive producer, Double A, to these outstanding young men and women, Marcus, Cameron, Maya, and Michaela, I'm Tony Tidbit. We talked about it, and we're out. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Tony Tidbit, a Black executive perspective, and for joining in today's conversation. With every story we share, every conversation we foster, and every barrier we address, we can ignite the sparks that bring about lasting change. And this carries us one step closer to transforming the face of corporate America. If today's episode resonated with you, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with your circle. And with your support, we can reach more people and tell more stories.